Well, this is our second Sunday in our worship series, Big God, Big Vision, Big Dreams. And we turn to the book of Acts today, chapter 10, beginning with verse 9, to hear about a big vision that came to Peter and that we need to hear today as much as they needed to hear it back then. Let's stand together and hear these words of Scripture together. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. And the voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I think it's fitting that we are beginning to register both volunteers and children for Vacation Bible School during the time of this worship series. I have always loved Vacation Bible School. When I was a kid, I loved it. It was the best week of summer. It was better than vacation to go to Vacation Bible School. And I've loved it all through the years as a pastor, and I still love it. I really missed it last year when we couldn't have it in person. And I'm so excited we're able to do that again this year. Years ago, I was appointed to a church, and I followed a pastor who had been there many years, well over a decade. And the first summer I was there, uh, it really surprised the people, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with them until I discovered that the pastor always found out when Vacation Bible School was scheduled, And then he would plan his vacation. Because he didn't like vacation Bible school and he didn't want to be around. Well, they didn't know what to do with me because I'm all up in the middle of vacation Bible school. Every day, all day, what's not to like? And the thing that I loved most about vacation Bible school as a kid and as a gray-haired preacher is the opportunity to teach children how big God is. And to open their minds and their hearts to God's big love for them. And we'll be doing that this year, just like we're doing in these weeks of this series. We're going to hear Bible stories that teach that. The story of Daniel, how God was big enough to save him and his friends from the fiery furnace and the lion's den. Moses, God was big enough to part a sea so he could lead the people out of slavery. Esther, a girl taken as a captive to a foreign land, she ends up being queen. God's big enough to make her the queen so she could save all of her people's lives 
down the road a few years. It's going to be great. Join me in volunteering to be a part of Vacation Bible School where we talk about how big God is. Our series last week was Isaiah's vision of how big God is because times were about to get really, really bad. And for Isaiah to be a prophet, he needed to have confidence in how big God is. In this text from Acts, it is a vision of how big the gospel is, <laughs> how big the church should be, how wide the circle of God's grace really is. And we read just a small portion of a larger story, the Cornelius story, that has lots of visions in it and lots of wonderful news about how wide the circle should be. Have you ever felt you were outside the circle? Have you ever felt excluded? Did you ever feel like you didn't belong? That you were left out of a group or an event? The little community I grew up in, Mablevale, had its own schools. It had a little elementary school and a junior high school. And for a long, rich history, had a high school. But the high school burned down. And instead of building it back just for our kids in the community, the decision was made to build it toward town, toward Little Rock, and make it a consolidated high school that would serve other little communities like ours, and everybody could go to high school together. And they made that decision, I'm sure, because it was cheaper than everybody having a separate school. But I'm sure it also was because it would give us a chance to go to a big school, right? A bigger school than we'd ever been in. I remember how terrified I was in the 10th grade when I went to the high school. There must have been 800 people in that school. I moved to Allen to be the pastor, and there's more people than that in the band at halftime during the football game. That wasn't the case where I grew up. And it was an eye-opening experience for me because in the 10th grade, it was the first year in all my education I went to school with people I didn't already know. There were people from these other communities. And some of those communities were very different than mine. Some of them had uh, curbs on the road and sidewalks and all the streets were paved. And there were people there who were a lot well, more well off than anybody I'd ever known. It was a new experience for me. I was in a club and that club decided they were going to take a trip to London to celebrate the 25th, the silver anniversary, jubilee anniversary of the Queen. I think I just gave my age away because she's been Queen for like 80 years now, but it was the 25th year back in that day. And everybody was so excited and it was going to be wonderful and they're going to do all these wonderful educational things. I didn't get to go. My family didn't have enough money for me to go. And it was the first time in my life I felt outside the circle. First time I felt less than someone else. 
the first time I felt marginalized and excluded. I understood. I wasn't mad at my parents. I wasn't disappointed in our life, but still. I mean, I'd never been on an airplane, and I'd never been further than you could drive in two days in a car from our little house, and that only once. But still. I remember what it was like for everyone to go but me. We all have experiences in life that can make us feel outside the circle. A new school, a new job, a new neighborhood, a new town, even a new church. But we don't know people, and people don't know us, and we don't look like everyone else. We know what that feels like, doesn't it? Now imagine living your whole life feeling like that. Some people do. Some people go from their childhood to their gray-haired years, always feeling outside the circle, always feeling they're on the outside looking in. It's a fact of life for many. Our text from Acts is a story about somebody who knew that feeling. A man named Cornelius. He was a well-to-do, high-ranking uh, person in Rome, in the Roman Empire. He loved God. He feared God, Luke tells us. He loved the same God that Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joanna the faithful women who found Jesus had risen, that's the God he loved. He loved the same God that Jesus taught. He loved the God of Sarah and Abraham. But he was a Gentile. And even though he knew and loved the same God, he would always be outside the circle. But he stayed devout in his love and his hope. He was a generous person and a compassionate person and a prayerful person. But oh, how he must have longed to be in the circle. One day, he has a vision. An angel appears to him and says, God is pleased with you. God's heard your prayers and seen your generosity and your acts of compassion. So send some of your people over to Joppa to the house of a guy named Simon the Tanner. It's on that street that runs by the seashore. There's a guy there named Peter. Bring him back with you. What a weird vision. But Cornelius does what the angel said and he asks some guys to go and they take off. Well, at the same time, Peter's in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house on the street that runs beside the seashore. And he's up on the roof and he's praying. And it's lunchtime, he gets really hungry. And while they're cooking lunch for him downstairs in the house, he has a vision. Imagine what he has a vision of. Lunch. I have those visions between meals all the time, right? But it's a strange vision. A sheet comes down from heaven 
with the images of every animal that was considered unclean in the law of Peter's religion. Things he was forbidden to eat because of the law. He's watching this, trying to figure out what's going on, and he hears a voice that says, You're hungry? Get up and kill and eat. Peter gives the right answer. He was in confirmation class and learned the right answer. Oh, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And then the voice says, You must never call unclean what God has called clean. And three times this happens. And then the sheet goes back up into heaven. And Peter is sitting there scratching his head trying to figure out what does this mean? At the exact moment, these guys from Cornelius' house is knocking on the door. And Peter has another vision. says, there's some guys going to be knocking on the door. <laughs> Go with them. I sent them. Don't worry about it. So Peter comes down from the roof. And he says, I'm the guy you're looking for. Spend the night. We'll leave in the morning. Tell me why you came. They say, our boss had a vision. An angel told him to come to this house and bring you back. That's all we know. So they get up that next morning and return to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius has invited all of his family and all of his closest friends, and there's a congregation waiting on Peter. They walk through the door, and Cornelius bows down at his feet and worships him. And Peter says, get up, I'm just a guy like you. What is wrong with you? Why am I here? And Cornelius tells the vision. And Peter addresses the crowd. And he says, you know good and well, it's forbidden for me to be here. I'm a Jew. And Jews can't socialize with Gentiles, they certainly can't come in their home. But God has taught me something. God has taught me that I can't judge anyone as unclean because God has determined we're all clean. And then he preaches Jesus. He tells them the story of how Jesus lived and taught and preached and died and rose again. And the strangest thing happened. As he was preaching, the Holy Spirit came and it was just like Pentecost all over again. As a sign to Peter. And Peter got the message. And from that moment on, Peter spent his time trying to convince the leaders in Jerusalem and all the disciples that followed him to draw the circle wide. This was bigger than they thought. The circle of God's love and the circle of God's grace and the reach of the gospel was wider and bigger than anything they'd ever dared imagine. It was bigger than anyone except Jesus ever dreamed of. 
Those laws about who's in and who's out, they didn't count anymore. Jesus changed more than they could have ever imagined. So they were baptized, and the circle grew wide. How in the world does Peter, this devout Jewish man, raised to know the law, committed to following the way of his father before him. How was he that open to the call of God? How was he that open to the idea that the circle was wider than the way he had ever looked at the world before because he'd only looked at it through the very small filter of the law? Why was he open to that? Why did he seize that and embrace it with all of his heart? I know my answer to that question. I think Peter embraced the idea of how wide the circle of God's love really is because Peter never could forget his failure when he denied knowing. Jesus. I think Peter did not fight God's call to draw the circle wide because he knew what it was like to be on the outside. Outside the circle because of his guilt. Outside the circle because of his shame. Outside the circle because of his sin. And even to be right outside the palace when Jesus was facing his death and to deny that he even knew the man. Can you imagine that for one moment of his life Peter ever forgot that feeling? Do you think he could ever forget the feeling of being so lost? of being so alone? Could he forget that feeling of being so ashamed of what he'd done? Can you imagine him ever forgetting the feeling of being redeemed and reinstated by the grace of the risen Jesus? To be forgiven. To be brought back in to the circle. Peter did not balk at the idea of a wider circle because he understood that it took a big, big circle to include him. And nobody could need more grace than Peter. That's the way it is with grace, isn't it? When we really experience it, when we really embrace it, when we realize in the depths of our heart that God's grace is big enough to include me, I can't help but believe it's big enough to include you and everyone else. That's the way grace is. It humbles us. Makes us realize that no one is in more need 
of grace than we ourselves. May we lose ourselves in a wide, wide circle of God's grace and know what it feels like, like Peter did, to be forgiven of that for which he could never forgive himself. May we commit ourselves anew to be a part of drawing that circle wide so that all the people in our lives, all the people God brings into our path knows that they belong in the circle too. Draw the circle wide so there's room for me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.